Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of What Would The Smart Party Do? We've had a question from one of our loyal listeners around social conflicts or social mechanics generally in games and how we handle them, especially if maybe as a player you're not that way out yourself. But I think we've got a broader topic so we can talk about uh, all kinds of other conflicts that aren't basically hitting something with your axe because role-playing is playing a role after all. And with me, as always, is my good friend Baz. Hello, Baz. Hello, mate. How you doing? Yep, living the dream, just back from Munich, drinking some beer and enjoying the 30-degree sunshine. <laughs> well, enough about me. I can't <laughs> Let's be talk right. talk about games. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was about 14 degrees when I got back to Birmingham. I was delighted. But back I am, so we shall talk about some more games and let's get back on, back on track, shall we? So, yeah, let's start with the initial question then. So it's all very well... Uh, wanted to play this social hobby and all the rest of it but let's say that you Baz have got your bard character he's a silver tongued devil he can come up with quips, one liners and put downs as easy as anything, straight off the cuff but you as a player might not be that socially able so how do you handle that in a role playing game uh, compared to anything else you can do I guess but you know, specifically when part of the role playing game itself is people talking to each other, if you're not that great at doing all that stuff, how do we handle it well, uh, first thing is, bards are cool. <laughs> I might not get away with that at some gaming conventions. I might have stuff thrown at me for saying that and some tables, but you know what? Bards are kind of character class in trad D&D. I always end up defaulting to or something at least a bit roguish because I quite like the chatty bit in games. Um, you know, I feel like I'm comfortable in that kind of arena, uh, a kind of guy who's going to you know contribute to a podcast. So clearly don't have any problem with, sp- with talking. Um and I don't know I handle those kind of situations the way I handle anything else in a game really and don't attempt to differentiate it because believe you me I know nothing about swinging swords or firing crossbows and and clearly I know even less about summoning elementals or training dragons Um, yet you know those those situations pop up pretty regularly in trad fantasy games and and nobody blinks an eye Um, but when it comes to uh, convincing the barkeep that you want to have a room in their inn or dealing with the king or some kind of political situation or God help us, a seduction. Um, people can fall apart and, and I've fallen apart in those situations too. So it, it's a thing, it's a real thing, isn't it? Where uh, you can't really sit back on the I hit it with my axe default setting. You've actually got to say some words out loud and and some of that comes from, I think, pressure from modern gaming and, and you know, with it to GMs who, who kind of insist that you do give it a bit more effort than just, you know, I roll diplomacy. And I think that's probably fair enough. You know, we're all about raising the standards in gaming and, and trying to put a bit more effort into it than just like um, begging the, the GM if you can ask your D20 to get you out of a hole is, is probably not a bad thing. Um, as, to, as to techniques and methods for going about it, I think my favourite one and it is a personal one I don't think this will work for everyone is just to get a little bit more meta with the game and by that I mean take a little step back from that first person narrative that you've probably been using for the previous half hour and what that means is instead of I don't know let's say you're playing a bar then they're called Bob why not and uh, instead of saying every word in character as if it's you speaking you just if you really can't think of something to do and it's a tense negotiation just talk about it slightly in the third person even if you just break back into the third person for a bit which is say you know tell the gm i use all of my hard-earned negotiation skills to try and win them over and that that will get you through and maybe get you to a dice roll 
and that dice roll might back up your statement or it might not do but I think that's probably fair enough because you know let's face it if if we all had to be uh, social geniuses then nobody would ever be able to write books about stuff like James Bond or the other big charisma people that we've got in all the fiction around the world you don't have to be you don't have to identify with the person that well and have all of the skills because the point is as you say it's about role playing that means playing someone who isn't like you and the social thing can be handled as adeptly as the way you swing a sword or breathe fire or all the other things you can't do either so if it helps take that little bit of a step backwards and again i think games are going to be okay for you to sort of break that immersion wall just for a few seconds for the sake of the game and the sake of your own sanity and then when you get a bit more comfortable with whatever it is field of endeavor you're being asked to do then you can step back into first person if that's the way you like to roll so would you say it's something like you could perhaps do um as director of a film and maybe describe the scene if you're unhappy being in first person and actually acting out or amateur dramatics the words would you perhaps uh, describe a panoramic camera view or something or say mm. you know take a, a shot view and say the camera swings out and you see the reactions of the crowd or something or you see the look of trepidation in someone's face or just chucking bits like that is that something you think you could use yeah definitely of course it is yeah and, and you know i think you make a really good point there about about taking a different kind of stance for that particular scene because don't forget depending on the game you're playing that game might be all about that kind of stance in the first place so you know my first example was about fairly trad situation with D&D but there's an awful lot of games who want to turn up the volume on the social stuff and they may well have um, conflict resolution rather than task and that, that can really help if you're not that fond of, of flowery words and making every sentence count because then you can just you know cut, frame the scene yourself and sort of cut to the action of of the resolution that you're trying to get to and again you know look hopefully down at your pile of dice to see if they're going to give you a way out and I think that's absolutely fine that ability to kind of zoom in on things and zoom back out again is one of the things I love most about role-playing games the difficulty is is when you want to do something and the rest of the table is on another level um, and, and they're maybe you know four-fifths of the table are sort of desperately playing out every line as if it's something from a sonnet and you're just not that comfy that's the that's the difficult bits i mean you know where are you on this on this continuum then guys would you you're confident i think enough to just stay in character and go for it but there have been times where you've been like you know caught a bit short or you've seen other people struggle what what happens then yeah i've definitely seen other people struggle um myself like you say i'm I'm normally pretty comfortable i think probably due to years of gming if nothing else that you just always put on the spot so you generally have some kind of answer so that Mm. for me i find it relatively straightforward and easy I think one of the things is it's quite hard sometimes to work out when people want to roll the dice. Some people seem quite comfy just having that, you know, mano a mano or character versus character conversations and enjoy just that, that rhythm and flow and being somewhere else and they don't really want to go through the dice necessarily. So that can be a tough bit, calling out when to actually roll dice. Mm. I think where I've seen it be a bit of a struggle, it's something I want to work. If you look at something like Burning Wheel, that's got a firefight mechanic or Burning Empire certainly has and there's fight in Burning Wheel and they've also got like a social combat system for want of a better word as well which at first really appealed to me because you know having big negotiations or deciding the fates of empires or something as a core rather than hitting an orc sounds great and as we've discussed you know it can be about being someone you're not and having having that same level of detail that you seem to get in a lot of old games or tried games but for other things other than fighting be it a car chase or a seduction or a 
uh, trade negotiation or whatever else always appealed but I think the problem is that you kind of run out of things to say I, I could probably well I have gone for four hours just talking about different ways a sword or an axe has hit someone and had a great old time I've very rarely been able to do more than a few minutes tops maybe even sort of like four or five exchanges with social stuff before you run out of ways of saying I make this same point over and over again and keep rolling the dice you know what I mean mm. so it seems to fit more into a conflict resolution mechanic like you said or somewhere where you just roll one skill roll and decide if the diplomacy worked or not compared to doing a, a cut and thrust and backwards and forwards although I do like the sort of mouse guard bending me away where you sort of you can see you're wearing down somebody's uh, resistance or reluctance kind of like um, a hit point mechanic almost yeah. but I think the descriptions that you come up with or how you describe things just become limited you kind of make your points about whatever argument or thing it is you're discussing and then that's it it's done hmm. and although I want there to be a way of making more of it I haven't seen a system yet that does it satisfactorily for me so I think that's one problem is it's that gauging how long to go on for with you talking to a degree I think it's okay to lower your standards you know because it might be uh, again, again I'll use what I know which is your, your trad D&D style games okay or your trad fantasy or your trad science fiction for that matter but anything that's got a massive combat chapter and not much else um, those were the games that I grew up on and, and they had plenty of diplomacy and social and politicking and, and all of that kind of stuff but you don't get a lot of help from the rules as you say there's loads of help if you want to belt someone with your axe um, and by help you could look at that as support or a crutch or however you want to discuss it but there's something you can look up to sort of help you resolve what goes on with that and and even at the birth of the hobby there, there was there were still a few bits for your personality or the way you were going to interact with people but not much and and in some trad games there's never been any more than that so but so i think it's okay to either you know lower your standards a little bit and I, i'm looking at the gm here and i'm looking at myself as much as anyone which is if it's okay after the fifth combat round for people to just say i'm going to attack it as aggressively as i can if you're all right with that then give people a bit of leeway with their social stuff too really um and i think some of it as well it comes down to timing because one of the big pieces of rule support you'll get in most trad games is about what you can do in a round and it might be move and attack or maybe a bit of a minor action like dig around in a backpack or push open a door and usually buried in the text somewhere you'll see something like and say a few words um and when it comes to social stuff if you're going to work off anything like a hit point mechanic i think it's disposition is the word i'm thinking of from burning wheel it's something like that anyway yeah if you're going to use that and you're going to have exchanges then i think you know it's, it's probably time to remind everyone don't put too much into your first exchange in the same way as you wouldn't open a sword fight with a description of your first 20 or 30 blows cuts thrusts and parries as you go up and down the staircase don't if you're trying to win an argument put the entire argument out there like you've got one opportunity in front of the judge to say everything about your case because that might just be the first exchange and your dice roll might come up whatever and the gm's looking at you again in like one minute's time saying okay so you've chipped away at his argument a little bit what have you got now and it might be oh i'll have to say it again but louder <laughs> you know you've, that's the difficulty isn't it you want to build the case and you want to have your final argument be the the killer blow to the opponent's disposition well you don't you don't hold yourself to that standard in a fight you don't hold yourself to that standard where you've got the best sword cut of the night is the one that drops the opponent not not in your trad games anyway so i think you know just be prepared to compromise a little bit and adjust the pacing 
um, and find a way of using the techniques that you know from uh, a melee uh, and apply those to um, a debate um, a lot of games now will just say you know we we don't have combat rules we have resolution rules and use them for everything but I, I think people do generally need a bit more help than that simply because examples are so thin on the ground and maybe best practice there's not enough of it being talked about which is you know one of the things we're trying to achieve today I suppose yeah I've just been reminded actually from what you were saying there about your, your different levels I think it's Blades in the Dark the um, quick start stuff or the, the playtest rules are out there it's the game itself not fully yeah. realised yet but that has an interesting bit about and that's more about groups of thieves or or that sort of thing I think the default setting is a fantasy sort of setting and you're, you're a gang of thieves but you could easily be space pirates or whatever else but that's about kind of like going on missions basically or raids or that sort of thing which could easily be a conversation or an argument or something along that way and remember for one of them it's kind of got um, like a character wants to kill this NPC for whatever reason and it says you can do it one of three ways and decide and one of them is we'll just roll once and see if you kill him or not another one might be a couple of rolls because you've got to get past some obstacles to get there or you could make you know a four session story out of it and it's up to the table as it's called everybody sat around it to decide how important that is and how much a meal you want to make of it so I guess introducing something like that is probably a good starting point Mm. where mm. when it comes down to your negotiation with a king or whatever you say well do you want to put all your chips in one basket on this one or shall we make uh, several visits out of it or whatever you know but that's, a, that's I suppose a, something you've got to set out to do with your game from the start really rather than try and chuck it in at the end because it is a, it's, it's how your game works overall then isn't it yes and you know you've got that, that approach for everything that you do rather than trying to shoehorn it into a game of D&D &D, I guess you need to set up from the outset how things might work and get where he's buying I guess yeah I mean that's, that's a great house rule and it's all part of like setting out the terms of your the play you have around the table and it might not be as formalised as going like let's get some ground rules down before we start our campaign but it's a simple question to ask and, and I think it's legit as well in fact I'd like to see that asked a bit more often even when it comes to the stuff that is fully statted out like perhaps you know a great big combat session Oh, there's been plenty of combats where I've wished we could have done it in one roll, if I'm honest. Um, but then, you know, there's been other things where I think, oh, do you know what? I was enjoying this. Load. Let's not stop rolling the dice. We're in. We're getting. I'm getting into the meat and the grit of this particular scene for whatever it is. And and that, again, you know, you just got to you you got to as a GM and as a player be able to look round the table and gauge the mood of the the, the room, haven't you? Um, and if it looks like it's over, yeah, finish it whatever it is whether it's combat or social um, and if it looks like people are still interested then keep going but you know I just wish that I wish that the trad game books and I'm looking trad squarely in the eyes here as I think in many of the games that I own it doesn't it doesn't give me a huge amount of help for how to do a tense political negotiation I just don't think they offer you a huge amount of advice they make the basic assumption that it's exactly the same as combat rules just change the names and instead of armor class it's social defense well that's not good enough unless it's Earthdawn which got it perfectly right first time round but many games haven't <laughs> um, you need more than that don't you and you know hit points you know are a, are a pacing mechanic really um, and they could be a very good shoe in for a tense diplomatic negotiation but you just don't see it happen enough um, and, and yet and yet and yet I've been in loads of con games loads and loads of one shots anything outside of, of adventure action gaming 
that those sort of like um, di- diplomacy pieces or those negotiation pieces or seductions or politics that's like the bread and butter of the game session the majority of the game session is that and it's interspersed with little bits uh, of combat every now and again like pieces of pepperoni on a pizza um, but the, you know the majority of the game is that and I guess there's an argument I'm going to play devil's advocate here and see what you think about this if, well if if the the majority of most people's role-playing sessions get by just fine without any rules what on earth are we, we asking for do we really need to have that level of support in the textbooks for how to chat to each other around the table and how to chat to somebody pretending to be somebody else it's a funny one isn't it because quite often you've got uh, those people and we've done it ourselves we call it, oh, I had an amazing session we didn't roll the dice once oh yeah <laughs> you kind of think well if it's like that then why do we use any rule books indeed I, I don't know I think what 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 if then you've got people who just can't think of anything to say? You know, they're just not that way out, and they just want to say, "I'll you know, I hit him in his social defence with my diplomacy," or mm. I say something really witty and rather mm. persuasion. Is that okay? Yes, in short, I think it is okay. I think it's totally legit, um, and I've, I didn't used to think that. Believe you me, I was way more of a purist about you know. Uh, about my what I would call role playing ability, but I've, I've, I've really softened my stance on this over the years. In, in fact, gone right out the other side and become quite radical about. Do you know what? It's up to nobody else how you play your game except you. If you're not treading on somebody else's toes, then then fine. If you're contributing, if you're excited, if you're not d- disrupting anyone else's fun, it doesn't disrupt your game unless you want it to. For somebody to say, is it okay if I roll my charisma? There's nothing wrong with that at all. I've got a fellow who plays in my weekly group. He's a lovely fella. In real life, he's got no problem with his charisma stat, believe you me. Uh, <laughs> not at all. When it comes to a, a table and he's pretending to be somebody else, he just doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't enjoy it when I'm pretending to be some girl chatting him up in a bar, for fairly obvious reasons, perhaps. It's just a bit uncomfortable for us. Um, but even to the extent of, like, you know, bartering for the cost of, a, you know, some airplane tickets or or trying to talk me off a ledge if I'm portraying some kind of like potentially suicidal person. He just doesn't want to do it. It doesn't float his boat. And you know what? I know he doesn't want to do it. So when he says, is it okay if I just roll the dice? It's perfectly fine. Even if the rest of the table are happy to chew that piece of scenery for however long it is, he doesn't feel too bad about it. It's not like some kind of... He's not got like a weird disability or anything. It just doesn't float his boat. And pressuring him to come up with stuff off the fly he'd just be sweating and it would turn I'd be getting some enjoyment out of it and maybe the rest of the table would at the expense of his enjoyment that's not worth it is it yeah of course it's not let him roll the bones because you know what in the next fight he will absolutely be delivering some killer lines that you'd want to see in any Conan film about what he could do with his axe so over the length and breadth of a game he more than delivers that level of narrative flavour and I don't think it's fair to expect 100% out of everyone at the table all the time including the GM yeah fair point Baz I think I, I can think of a couple of examples quite recently where I've been pressured into having some kind of social or haggling role I didn't really want one you know in, mm. in Shadowrun I went to just buy a car after a later score and we got 10,000 yen I went down the, the dealers or whatever and I wasn't the first man I was the troll samurai I didn't have any skills and he told me it was five grand for a car. I went, good, I'll pay him. He's like, oh, no, mm. no. You realise he's ripping you off. Good, don't mind. Pay my five grand, I'm happy. <laughs> but the GM just wouldn't let it go. Insisted that we'd, we had over it. And in fact, I've even had one, I think it was a Concrete Cow was playing a game, and one GM said, we're being paid some money to transport some goods down the river. 
I was like, okay, I'm fine with that. And then it somehow got to this situation again where we had to haggle. It's like, really, what am I haggling for? Mm. Some more money? Because we haven't got a figure of how much we're getting paid in the first place. A really odd situation, but I think some people seem to get stuck in this idea that you have to roll for stuff as well. So mm. that could be another thing sometimes. You could have a bit of role-playing about social stuff and then not need to roll the dice. Or even, not even the role-playing bit, just decide that you can move on. Yeah, and part of that's the the rolling the dice for stuff that's important in it, or that you actually care about. And if you don't, don't sweat it. Just get on with the game. I think. Yeah, I think so, mate. That support stuff can sometimes be things that you think you have to do because there is it is in the rules, so you feel like you have to go down this road. But don't do it if you don't want to. Mm. How, how about from um from the other perspective then? Because I, I do think we need to lighten up on on everybody's playstyle, just generally speaking, just in order to facilitate getting a game on um what about from the gm's perspective because the gm is there's a, you know if you if you can't get a player to step up in some occasions w- w- then we accept that and we know that that's the case why, why would we expect the gm to be absolutely eloquent all the time with their rose gallery of the half dozen npcs that they might be managing over the space of a couple of hours and i'm convinced that some of those npcs will be more charismatic or dashing or flamboyant or articulate than the gm in question because i'm always writing up npcs that are way better than me at most things um you know (laughs) but is it okay for the gm to maybe step back into that third person narrative just for a minute and when the when the villain appears in something perhaps a little bit pulpy you just describe the scene and where you might normally start to monologue you don't and instead say and the villain delivers um a two-minute monologue that has you quaking in terror um in fear for your very lives you know can you do that sort of thing i think you can it's a kind of a loaded question but it'd be interesting to see how you would deal with your npcs that might have skills you don't i think i think you can do that um the, the danger in the way you couch that particular question i think is that you said he does this thing you're now quirking in terror yeah, um, yeah, players, right, yeah. you know what i mean players don't like being told how they feel about something especially when they're not being party to it so that's mm. the only caveat i put there um but I think as a GM, if you're preparing a game, you've got a bit more time up front to do mm. things. So you can have um, your own little prompts or ideas in advance, which helps. There are you know situations that are going to come up, uh, and some games are based around and not having anything prepped in advance. But for a lot of games, you can have little uh, pictures of scenes or a face and a little portrait card or some one-liners or something you've written down about one of the characters that the buddy knows or something like that. So... While you're not expected to do full-on five-minute talks about everything or monologue all the time, I think as a GM you have got a bit of luxury if you've got the time beforehand to, to just write a few little crib notes up so you can be a bit more prepared. So it's like you've got a script writer in the background waiting for you, which is something that the players don't have necessarily because they're put on the spot more and don't know what's going to come out of the session. I think as GM you've just got that that crutch of being able to prep yourself for things a little bit and, and working out how a situation might go or a scene might arrive or you might get to that scene if you know what I mean so I think that's the benefit yeah I think that's legit you've reminded me actually of a a particular game where the players can prep in advance and they're rare I totally get that because that's the difference isn't it if if as a GM you can prep and write up your own box text then you're going to you're going to be expected to deliver and it's an npc you invented for goodness sake so you've got complete control of the situation whereas a player yeah. might have two seconds notice and it might be something they've just been thrown into but there, there is a game um, the dying earth uh, based on the novels of jack vance 
published by Pelgrane Press, written by Robin Laws. Don't get for a podcast without mentioning his work. And it's a, it's a game based on witty repartee. And it's intimidating, uh, as as many of his stuff is, because um, it's you know it's a, it's on the edge. You don't see the dying earth in many con circuits here in the UK. Maybe it's different elsewhere, but I don't think I've ever seen a game of it offered. And it is a bit of an intimidating game because I think your initial look at it is like, hang on a minute, I've got to be like Stephen Fry levels of bonhomie and and you know and delicate little uh, drops of sarcasm dripped into every conversation. That's going to be tough to maintain for 10 minutes, let alone four hours. But what they do in The Dying Earth is you get, as a player, you get prep cards with fantastic one-liners on it. And you have a little stack of those, like your own little deck. And your job will be to drop them into the conversations that you have over the course of the game. And, yeah, of course it's premeditated. Of course it is but not in a bad way and you know you could probably make quite a big deal of holding up your card and you probably get a little ripple of applause for doing it it's a game i need to go back to and look at because it, it actually tries to put mechanical heft behind how to be a brilliant bon viveur and a raconteur when clearly you're not um and that's a game that that that's its stock in trade that's the whole point of the game much more than it is about going into dungeons and looting dead orcs it's about the stories that you tell to each other over a glass of something small and vicious so but that's the only example i can think of where the players are given that level of assistance to be brilliant in a social situation yeah and i did play it actually at uh i think it was a few years ago yeah and it did it did work that way it was kind of as when someone uses that one magic item that time they have to to save the party it was that sort of thing you slap down mm. your card and read out the line and there is that kind of little golf clap around the table and the nods of approval and such so yeah I think it's uh, it's quite good for that I don't know how tired I get of it if I had to do a you know one year campaign but certainly mm. as a a few short short sessions what it tried to use I think worked really well mm. so yeah mm. worth a look if you're into that kind of stuff yeah what about down the indie end of the spectrum? Because there's, there's entire games that are predicated around not having violent resolutions to everything. They're not usually in, uh, my cup of tea necessarily, but I've got a few in my collection. But I mean, you know, do they do they then wear a normal normal is not the right word? Where a traditional three hundred page hardback book would have a, a healthy sized chunky combat chapter, what do they put in its place for? chatting to each other or is it is it just you know glossed over on the basis that people are perfectly capable of speaking to each other i don't know what have you got in your collection guys that's got that that replicates that combat chapter in a different way the um the more indie games i've seen tend to be more along the lines of uh guidelines for structure or when you can speak or the limits of what you can say and that sort of thing so it, it the kind right. of coming assuming that you're going to want to be involved and say stuff uh, and if anything it's more guidelines for telling you when to shut up almost if you know what I mean <laughs> well, that, that's what I was saying um, nice. and certainly so, like the, the free form type games tend to be more about uh, what the mood of a particular scene is going to be or what themes to bring into it or that kind of stuff so they, they are quite sophisticated in terms of um, what they're trying to capture I guess compared to hard and fast combat rules but they are coming largely from the view that you will be taking part and are socially able to come up with stuff on the fly by necessity because quite often there's not a lot of plot like really specifically told not to try and plot things in advance mm. and just come up with ideas and moods and themes and you know it can be a lot of I hit him the annui with my uh, wit mm. or something 
Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I've tried a few, but they're not really. I have to say, it's not really my cup of tea. I prefer having a hard and fast resolution for something. But I know mm. a lot of people get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Mm. But if you if you're not that way out in the first place, I don't think there's a lot there to help you suddenly become you know become part of it i don't know i don't i don't know how, there's no mechanical structure or heft there i think to to give people the tools they need if they're not comfortable making a diplomacy role mm. you know and backing it up with something then i think they're going to be stuck playing that sort of game or that'd be my the exposure that i've had anyway no i think that's fair unless you can deliver someone a complete script and then you're not playing a game at that point are you you're just doing radio drama which you know, role playing gets likened to in lots of ways, but they, but sometimes the person doing that definition forgets that it's all going to be made up on the spot. Which is, you know, improv is very much a skill, and everybody needs to know what the rules are for improv to really make that fly. And that's why you know those guys can get paid a fair chunk of change for doing it. But having those expectations at your dinner table on a Tuesday night when everyone's got in from work might be a little bit harsh. So, which takes us back to you know, relax a little bit, perhaps. You know, I think one of the things that we um, we normally end up doing when we have these discussions is differentiating between your home group and, and con play. Um, and this is definitely one of those areas where I think there is a, d- a difference because at home you're playing with your buddies and you've been playing with them for some time and you probably have loads of mutual unsaid agreements already about how things go at your table. And you just find something that you're comfortable with, wouldn't you? But when you're at a con game... You've got all kinds of expectations in your head when you rock up, whether as player or GM, and you are probably going to be confronted with strangers. And you know what? You're probably going to there's probably going to be some dissonance or some friction there, at least initially, when you outline a situation as a GM and the, the poor player who probably doesn't know what the expectations are around the table either launches into some soliloquy which you weren't waiting for, and you weren't really hoping for or they put a sword through the throat of the first person who speaks to them and and anything in between you just never know what you're going to get do you so no, I, I think right. the age old advice is to start leading by example of the kind of tone that you want to get or or set it out on the flyer or with tags or have a two minute intro to the game um, because I don't know if you would get a huge amount of help from just advertising your system of choice because usually for example if you want to if you want to play uh, Blue Planet or Traveller or you name any game, just by saying you're going to play that, people will come along with a kind of a, an expectation of what's going to happen at the table, with, and that will be behavioural as well. But if you want your game of, uh, say, Savage Worlds to be about um, spacefaring um, houses of families who are all merchants and they're getting together for a once-in-20-years um, summit meeting to talk about how they divide up um, their political chunks of the galaxy just putting up Savage Worlds on the flyer is not going to lead you to expect that kind of game um, and if it's going to be that kind of game which sounds cool and I've just made it up I might have to make that happen now <laughs> but <laughs> you're going to need to do a bit more on your flyer otherwise you, you're more likely I would suggest and this is a bit pejorative I suppose but you're more likely to get some people who rock up to a basic vanilla Savage Worlds game they're going to be hoping to hit something with an axe or a laser rifle aren't they really because it's that kind of rules I think in your home games you can kind of uh, as a player prep more which is probably something you can do so if you are a, mm. a witty person or whatever you can just write yourself some little cards can't you you could come up with some stuff that you're going to inject at a, an appropriate point and let your GM know you know kind of like here's my killer one-liners uh, you kind of feed me the straight line for this so that I can come in and nail it or something like that so I mm. guess there's bits of work and stuff like that you could do 
But how does it work for other things? So if I said, all right, Baz, well, you're this uh, expert scientist and know all about X, Y, and Z, and then we play a game, would you want like uh, some tables of techno babble you could roll on to come up with some interesting descriptions? Would you be happy just saying, I give a technical explanation as to why all this works? Or, you know, would you want to dress it up more? Would you want some assistance with that? Or are you happy just saying, I hit it with my science? Well, do you know what? Actually, I would like a bit more personally and and I think there's I think that again and I keep coming back to this but I like action adventure games with classes and levels and one of the reasons I like it is because when you pick that class you are essentially advertising to everybody what you want to do and guess what there's plenty of stuff for you to do if you pick barbarian you're going to get into a game that needs a barbarian in it and if you pick paladin you're going to get something different and so on and so forth now take that outside of fantasy f20 gaming and you know scientist is a great shout mate and and i think we've discussed before pilot as well which is another one where there's loads and loads of games that are set outside of fantasy where you'll get given a background they'll never call it a class because there's some kind of snobbery over that word i don't know but you'll often be given a character like that but you're given absolutely no mechanical heft to reinforce that at all beyond you might have slightly higher numbers in the tech skill or the five or six sciences if it is a game of blue planet for example you know you might have a bunch of ologies on there and you've got slightly higher numbers and you might have a skill package but you know what that's only ever going to manifest itself when you're asked to make a skill roll and if you're asked to make a skill roll by default that that kind of feels like you're being given one of those binary pass fail situations so you're not really being a scientist then are you just the bloke in charge of rolling the dice at that particular time and and, and your your number could be as high as the person next to you and how many times have you seen that happen where you fail your science roll so the person next to you says well i'll have a go then and then the person next yeah. to them says well i'll have a go you're not being a scientist I think if your game is going to have science in a scene, wouldn't it be kind of cool if you had a, a maybe just a little mini game that might only be on your character sheet of stuff that you could do? And it could literally be a list of words that you could just strike through as you go. Or it could be just a tiny little challenge that, that you can work and maybe add in a little bit of this and a bit of that so that, so that you've got that going on. It happens all the time in board games where you've got a little microsystem just of your own to let you shine. So, yeah, I, you know, everybody in D&D is good at combat because there's so much combat in it, but they've also got other stuff they do because there's other stuff that happens. So I would like it in other games if everybody was good at whatever the core activity is, but everybody also has a little bit of a niche. And, and then you can pick that niche. And if that niche is, you know, brilliant negotiator, you don't pick it if you don't feel you've got the chops to deliver it on the day. Yeah, there's, um, I think it's game, what was it, Spycraft 2, I think. Mm-hmm. Pick. I think Spycraft had one separate mechanic for um, for chases or car, car chases or whatever they were, because that seems to be yeah. something that spies did. And then Spycraft 2 came out, and they'd done a good thing that they'd applied that same sort of mini game that you're talking about. But applied it to seduction and to computer hacking and some other stuff as well. Awesome. And I thought that was quite cool. And it had a little matrix for each with when you tried, you had a, a variety of tactics. And depending on which one you tried and which one your opponent was trying, it'd give you a plus or minus on your skill roll. And then you're mm-hmm. still making a skill roll at the end of it. But that fact, like if you, you know, from a seduction point of view, are you diving in there for a snog straight away versus I'll play it cool or something? 
would give each side a sort of a plus or a minus on their role and a better or a greater chance of of succeeding depending on the skill as well I think something like that is exactly what you're talking about and I thought that was really cool and I, I always intended to apply it to other games I've just never got around to doing it but I think I might have to dig that out because you do want more don't you like you say I, I agree I mentioned scientists because it is a thing like where it's um, oh someone's been poisoned right who's got the uh, the poison skill or the mm. the biology or whatever it happens to be and you get your one chance to roll mm. but you don't get much chance to do anything else so I guess the other game I like uh, around that sort of thing is unknown armies because you've got skill penumbras so if you were a scientist there it also meant you probably knew about research labs and you knew some person you could you could send some stuff away to for a DNA test and you yep. knew about museums and you could search academic papers and had contacts and all that kind of stuff and I think that's arguably something you need to bring in more to the to sort of games generally if you've got a specialist subject and it's not fighter or thief or magic user then we should really dress that up more I think as people because if you're if you're a mage you tend to get lots of extra dressing so why mm -hmm. not if you're a scientist or a pilot or any of those other kind of ancillary things I guess yeah no I totally agree mate I, I, I'd forgotten about spycraft spycraft uh, is pretty crunchy um, but it's you know it's easier to take stuff out of a game than it is to add in st stuff you know arguably um, but you know I think I think other games have, have have kind of paid lip service and done a bit of a cop-out job by saying that their combat system is equally applicable to any kind of conflict system which we touched on earlier and I just think that's a cop-out I don't think it's true for a start it should be but it doesn't feel very different when you do it that way and it and it would be it would be just tons of fun to have that have those little subsystems all playing off of each other I mean I think um Oh, and one of the things just to riff off your point there about like you know how do you get those those ologies to mean more when someone steps up to the plate is I think we would probably talk about gumshoe games um gumshoe does a thing for those who don't know it where you your character sheet is is really a two halves uh one half is all your general abilities which is the stuff you would imagine like you know athletics and um uh, juggling and fire breathing oh no that's a circus skills workshop but that kind of thing <laughs> you, you've got your general abilities that you would see on any character sheet but then on the other half of your character sheet you've got all of the uh, interpersonal academic all of the really skillful scientific's not the, quite the right word but it's it's all the, the highly trained stuff that you would use for investigations like forensics or forensic accounting for that matter um uh and, and anything that you see used in those kind of procedural CSI type shows where they're, they, they're, they're shining lights on stuff and using magic computers to figure stuff out. Um, but you don't roll for those because the game is predicated on the idea that you will get all of the information you want to if you're in the right place with the right skill, but you don't have to roll it because not getting that information is going to derail your game. But you are highly, highly competent people, which means you always get information, the skill is in what you do with that information so they don't hold back any pieces of the jigsaw when it comes to the investigation but it's still a tough jigsaw and you've got to piece it together now again i don't hold up gumshoe as a brilliant mechanical game because i i have personal issues with it I, there's bits of it that don't work for me but i can appreciate it for what it is which is an attempt to get over that issue of making people quite dull with just a set of numbers and you know who's got the best skill and keep rolling around the table till it happens and all that kind of stuff but it's an interesting take and one of the later iterations of it is Knights Black Agents which is an espionage game and I never thought honestly that you would get a techno thriller 
out of the gumshoe system because it's a game that seems more suited for Miss Marple um, really <laughs> <laughs> but, but with, with some clever work on behalf of Ken Height who wrote Knight's Black Agents it's become appropriate for Jason Bourne and you know there's still investigations I suppose at the end of the day but from one end of the, of the thriller spectrum to the other and he's done that by adding in really good stuff like a heat mechanic um, for you know how much carnage you cause as a PC in a city is going to cause you trouble if you go around playing your super spy like it is a barbarian in a D&D game you ain't going to get away with it you know the local feds are going to be all over you and that heat mechanic will keep bleeding into your game and making your life actually a misery not just more interesting but difficult because your contacts are going to start disappearing and you're not going to be able to buy the goods that you need to get where you want to go and getting across a border is suddenly going to be impossible just because you were acting like a tool and that's (laughs) just one example of the stuff that he's added into that investigation game to give it more you know to put some mechanical heft behind the sort of stuff you want to have happen and and i don't think personally that those super super big generic games always get it right because by their very nature they're going to be generic and i quite like it when a game says this game is about so and so i'm going to throw rules at it because that's the bit that i want to see gameable at the table so Knights black agents for me is a, is a great example of something where mechanics have been applied to what's otherwise a fairly vanilla system to get something happening that sounds quite cool actually I did buy the book but I've not got around to reading it yet much like 37 other books <laughs> on my, my big list of stuff welcome it's to not, my world it's not stopping me buying more though I can tell you that oh, yeah there's um, one of the recent additions to the rules for the one ring was to kind of have a I suppose it's like a heat mechanic it's like a you know how much is the house I'm paying attention to kind of thing mm. so the more of those uh, rolls you make the more likely you are to encounter baddies and, and things are going to happen to you because mm. you'll go around kicking ass and closing down evil temples and stuff well the, the big bad's going to pay attention to that and the more of pain in the ass you are to him the more likely it is he's going to expend bigger and badder resources to get rid of you or deal with you so yeah I think I do like consequences for actions in games it does tend to quite often be really uh, direct uh, and immediate and personal to that situation so I like that idea of uh, as you do more stuff as a player then the, the game world around you starts to change and you get a mm. reputation or you, you know things that were easy now become more difficult just because of the way you're acting because mm. it does it does generally make the play more interesting then and it stops players just trying to cut the gordian knot the whole time and pulling a gun on people because that's going to be the easiest way to get to the solution so that's all pretty cool I don't, that thing with the pulling the gun you just you just reminded me of something about coming back to that whole social conversation stuff where an you know, NPC talks to you as a as a PC and you're not terribly confident with talking back that that pulling a gun thing I I think people use that to get out of their social embarrassment sometimes it's um you know I'm going to I'm going to draw my sword and chop his head off because I feel fairly comfortable you're going to say pick up that d20 and roll it and that's going to be an easier out for me than than you saying no 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 he's not pulling his sword on you he's just asking you know he's asking what what it would take for you to to do this favor for him and and I, you know people who, if they are nervous about that sort of stuff will 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 look down to their character sheet and they will treat it like a massive drop down menu of available options and if 9 out of the 10 options on that character sheet are belt it with extreme violence I don't know why we should be surprised that happens 
but if if nine out of the ten options on that character sheet were were parley or bluff or bribe or beg or cajole then that might be the kind of game that you would get Uh, and i think you know what you need is a well-rounded game that gives you as many options when it comes to the to the talking as it does to when it comes to pulling the trigger yeah quite probably do you think perhaps as gems or scenario writers and all the rest of it we need to come up with more options as well or I'm, I'm thinking one of our earlier podcasts I mentioned a Blue Planet game I played where there was mm-hmm. a, a young lady as a player and she met the big gang boss I was, I was expecting some kind of fronting up before all the guns came out mm-hmm. and she was just totally uh, pliant and you know respectful and all the rest of it and it got her somewhere and I think a lot of scenarios seem to point you towards some kind of confrontation and mm-hmm. you either get your demands or you don't I think that the last online game I played um, just a few days ago actually with a few guys it, we so sort of came to a, a vaguely allied group and our first response was to try and bully them about and get get their stuff basically give me your tank mm. we, we want to drive it and we all failed miserably and walked off with a tail between our legs but it's surprising how many games because of the amount of combat and other things we have in them just seem to lead to social interactions that always seem to be about a confrontation or browbeating your opponent or that sort of thing mm. do we perhaps need to introduce more situations where it's not just a direct conflict or a I get what I want or I don't uh, so I'm thinking of things where you can introduce partial victories or mm. success at a cost or that sort of stuff it's not, it's rarely seen I've rarely seen that as a, certainly the more trad games anyway, as an option it tends to be you need to do this or he won't help you or something and it's not uh, he's going to help you regardless because we want the game to move on but he's either going to cost you this, this or this depending on how well you roll, that sort of thing do we perhaps need a bit more of that sort of guidance in games around his, a variety of outcomes depending on what approach you take or how well you roll yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, games games have done this, haven't they? In, in recent years, stake setting has become quite a big deal, and, and for I think for the right reason, because you know, in the situation you've just outlined there, guys, it's very common, isn't it? Where you know, violence is is the resort. It's not the only resort, but it's in the top three, and maybe even two of the top three. And um, and why on earth would you do that? Because clearly, fighting is is a fairly terminal set of stakes to raise because it's going to result in in death or or you know if if you're lucky dismemberment and capture but one side's going to die and the reason people keep resorting to violence is because gms don't pull the trigger on the players do they because why would you the game would be over and that's the end of the campaign and i get all of that so given that any other situation outside of escalation to extreme violence is going to have oh i don't know off the at least five different potential outcomes from complete victory down to minor victory down to concessions down to everything else that kind of nuance well it would make a published adventure fairly difficult to do so there is that you know because the branch points off of every interaction would be really complicated really quickly given what you've got and that's why i think people turn to some of the newer no prep games that that deliver you outcomes from a dice roll like those powered up by the apocalypse games where you can't really prep for it, but you have to be prepared to live and die by the dice. Not physically live and die, necessarily, but live and die by what the dice tell you based off the fiction you were presenting. I mean, I would like to see it. It's, um, I mean, recently I was doing a, a, a long-stage review of a game called Torchbearer, which is an interesting game for loads of different reasons. One of the things I found very interesting about it was in the conflict section, 
when it talked about fighting it talked about six or seven different things you might want to achieve um, and one of them might be to stand your ground one of them might be to sort of drive people off and only one of the options was keep going until one side is dead or the other and when I read it I thought this is really nice and then when I tried it nobody ever thought up uh, from the players we're going to try and drive them off nobody ever said we just want to stand our ground you know we're not going to try and like chase them back to their holes or anything we just want to get and keep them away from us because it just it doesn't come up in the scenarios and it isn't a player's first thought when they've been gaming for any length of time at all i think you get practices bred into you about how best to approach situations i don't know what you're going to get from new gamers maybe with brand new gamers you're going to get different options but it was strange to see a book outline these potentials for conflict but then i don't know how often they come up if i'd said out loud to the players these are the six types of conflict i've got rules for which ones you fancy picking from i reckon i'd have got it i didn't do that because that felt a little bit gamey maybe i should have done to be honest because it wouldn't take very long and then people would go oh okay you can do that can you fine but it doesn't it doesn't pop up on people's radars mate i think they'd be surprised if you were to offer in your adventure a whole bunch of branching scenes that came off of conversation or or art or dance or drinking or carpentry or any of the other stuff that normally gets done with one role i think people would be surprised at the subtlety and nuance or maybe i'm just talking about myself maybe it'd just be me yeah i think it's good to have other options i think i think like you said part of the problem could possibly be due to condition that we've all had or most of us from growing up from the the old school games is looking for dance as the answer or something like that because mm. uh Frequently, you just try to use use your fighting your spells, aren't you? Because that's what you've got pages and yep. pages on. But it'd be good. I think we've talked about before privately. I'm not sure on the podcast or not, but we like multiple answers to a question. Mm. So you shouldn't just be able to knock a door down or pick the lock and that's it. It's one or the other. There's, there's got to be ways around it or a different corridor altogether, or you know, anything like that. You, you you've really got to think of different cool and interesting ways of doing something and give them all a fair crack. I think. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and and at the same time, I love combat. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm just not one of those people who doesn't want to see a game system where, or a game session, sorry, where there's no there's no excitement of plastic hitting the table. Um, I do love a well designed combat and enough to want to play Feng Shui and enough to want to play D and D and and all those games that make a real asset out of it, and they're they're good. Um, but you know, equally, and as much as I like the rise and fall of scenarios. I would love to see that level of mechanical heft applied to some other bits too. We've brought up, I've mentioned pilots before because they are my bet noir of gaming simply because I keep generating pilots and then keep hitting myself over the head with my D20 because why on earth did I generate a pilot again? I'm an idiot because there'll be nothing for me to do. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned chase scenes earlier, but for me, you know, the, the, the big unaddressed issue in any kind of level of crud, crunchy trad gaming ever is is blooming dogfights or vehicle rules or anything else like that or chase mechanics where you've got all the brilliant stuff from the movies and just awesome and comics is nearly as good and books can get a, a tingle up your spine when it comes to running around chasing people but in games oh my word if if it's if it's not that old cop out of just just use the combat system and change the words which we've already discussed it's some some system that's been bolted on which is in no way has been tested with any kind of rigor because it, it just falls apart in the face of the simplest of games and 
and we've had chases before in our games where you just think hang on a minute by the rules here these two cars that are chasing each other have just kind of coasted to a halt largely in a market and everyone's going to get out of the cars and start shooting each other because the cars are just an inconvenience to everybody yeah. <laughs> and and that's you know, that's typical of any Shadowrun game and, they, and they've tried really hard in Shadowrun to make those kind of things outside of combat work like you know hacking is going to be another one that I'm sure we'll talk about but you know it's it, it again apply the same sense of rigor to those scenes if they're going to be a big scene in your game pay it some blooming attention please yeah i think you're right i think it's uh, about that length again because hacking as you mentioned there i remember we played shadow at university quite a lot and you can spend half an hour going down this hacking thing which you know publisher eventually put a lot of detail into and there's various levels of ice to get through and blah 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 and everyone else can plug in and come along for the ride but ultimately you've just got one player who does all the stuff and I think you, the thing that's always going to fall down over a, some kind of chase is that you've got one guy driving the car and then everybody else leaning out the window shooting the guns. And there's mm. not a lot you can do to change that. Uh, so really, if you're going to do it, I think, is to try and make it short mm. so that it's just like three or four rolls or, or whatever it might be. But if you try and extend it too long, you're basically excluding other players or limiting their options. Mm. Unless everybody's on a speedboat or something and you're all chasing, you know. You got everybody's got their own vehicle, but then everybody have a great pilot skill, and you've lost your pilot kind of niche. Then I guess mm. I think mm. the, the thing I've started to do more with pilots these days, or that sort of characters, make them the engineers as well, or something, or you know, because those sort of skills don't get used all the time. Unlike notice or shoot or something like that, is try and pack in a few different options that they've got, so that then at least in several different circumstances they are the the expert at that thing, mm. and they've got several different advantages. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. And, and as a GM, I think you know, the, doing the thing that you talked about earlier about getting some some snappy one-liners written down in advance, who can equally and probably should be applied to if you're going to run a car chase through the streets of Marseille, have half a dozen cool things that can happen scribbled out in advance because coming up with those on the spot is putting you in a position of that poor player who's not necessarily verbally adept when put on the spot. Yeah. So you know you, you're you're in charge of who gets put on the spot. So don't mug yourself. You know, get yourself yeah. prepped up if you're going to do that kind of thing. Yeah, good yeah. advice, mate. Good advice. Equally for scientists and stuff like that. If you're going to have problems with your warp drive the whole time, you know, have a have a list of solutions or a tab, a techno bubble table that you can roll on for your engineer, mm -hmm. so that they can come out with something that sounds cool on the spot and don't have to try and make it up themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, we run the, I guess we run the danger here, mate, of wearing our prejudices on our sleeves, because I think most of our advice is about, you know, adding some rules in or some prep and some stuff like that. And I'm, I'm conscious that not everybody plays their games like that, um, and that they prefer an absence of rules or a lighter set of rules, and they prefer to improvise on the spot. Uh, if that's the case, you, you, you hardly, you know, you're not going to get any expert advice from me on what to do in those sort of games. Apart from, I guess, just be way more tolerant than you might expect to be when presenting people with situations, because clearly people are off the leash, aren't they? And they've got no crutches that they can, or fewer crutches that they can lean on. So you really are going to have to go with the flow. And 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 I suspect that sometimes, you know, this, the the game might falter occasionally, but other times it's moving at a breakneck pace, and, and I guess that's part of the thrill, isn't it? But you can't expect too much from a role-playing game. I mean, I expect a lot, and I've got high standards, but it's not the finely-tuned thing that a brilliant novel is or a Hollywood blockbuster is. It can't be. 
it's, it's improvised by grown-ups with lives around the table who've got personalities and having five people sing and dance on the same hymn sheet is difficult enough in a work environment when you're being paid to do it um you know in a fun environment well let's not forget that as as long as everybody's enjoying themselves it's perhaps not hold the standards so high that we expect everybody to be a Stephen Fry at the dinner table when it comes time to tell the jokes around the fantasy dinner table that everyone's got in their heads and don't be afraid to retcon stuff I think that's something from the more hippie period that, that's come out as a useful tool that, that those sort of games seem to use quite a bit is you do something and then just go do you know what actually that was a bit shit can I do that again and just mm. you know redo mm. it uh, or even just think like well okay I'm, I'm getting a tangle here I'm just going to roll my diplomacy because it's not working out for me and just roll the dice and move on, you know. And uh, you will make some mistakes. So you'll say stuff, and they won't come out the way you expected, or what land, how you'd hoped, or something like that. So don't be worried about going. Sorry, lads, can I have another go at that? Or, mm. like I say, just roll the dice and moving on, because you know, we're not going to get everything perfect every time. Yeah, no, you're right, mate. And and, and uh, do you know what? That's that's advice I've heard many many times, and often from your mouth as well. But I, I hardly ever see it happen. I've never tried to do it. I always forget that it's even a possibility of retconning, that is. Um, and what a brilliant piece of advice it is. You know, it's like you don't need to press a save game button, do you? You don't have to remember the, you know, the last number that came up on the dice three rounds ago. You could just reset it. You know, no one's going to kick your doors in and tell you you're doing it wrong. What might be wrong is, is you know, flogging that particular dead horse or going down that blind alley or whatever you want to mix your metaphors today. It's got to be better shortly, hasn't it, to just like press the reset button a little bit absolutely, and see if you can have another run at it. it all, all that takes is a bit of time and humility, uh, which is maybe why it doesn't happen too much around my tables, because I've got neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all fair enough, I think. Yeah, because like, as you say, you're all friends or you're all there trying to do the same thing. So, you know, cut people a bit of slack because you might need it in the next combat or the next encounter or whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, we're coming up to about the hour mark there. Baz, um, have you got any final thoughts or anything else you wanted to raise around that subject? Um, the, the final thoughts I would raise, yeah, thanks, mate, is just one other thing, and hopefully this doesn't blossom into a massive topic. If it does, I guess we can take it in another podcast, but there are plenty of games out there that will give you some kind of stunting mechanic um, where they will you will essentially get like a plus or a modifier or an extra dice if you give it loads of extra on the description i've got to say I'm, I'm becoming less of a fan of that kind of thing than i used to be it did seem for a while like every game had one there's you know there's one in exalted i think is the classic example feng shui um uh, first edition certainly had it i'm not sure if it's in second edition i have a feeling it's gone away slightly because i've, I've sort of come around to thinking that you know gaming is its own reward um and that trying to get cookies off the gm thing which was there to encourage play might just as much have been putting people off really that whole like oh here we go again now i've got to think up something incredible in, in a situation where i wasn't ready for it i wonder if that was as much off-putting as it was encouraging i don't know um you could make that case for loads of different mechanics as they go but I, i'm not a huge fan of those things and when i find myself gming those things I, I hope that i'm way more generous than the system tells me i should be because i think you know I think role playing is its own reward, and and uh, you know shooting for that extra flowery phrase just to try and get an experience point or an extra dice is that, that's just taking the Michael with the system really. Why don't you just shoot off that flowery phrase because it's appropriate and you enjoy it? 
yeah (laughs) and then hopefully everybody else does too um and any game that's got bennies or stuff like that now i think can be prone to that kind of behavior and that's not necessarily bringing stuff out of quiet people it might just be rationing the loud people i don't know but like i say that might be a whole new podcast guys unless you've got a pithy response to that one that that tells me everything i need to know (laughs) no i i I, yeah i can see most of the points you're making there's a a role player out there who definitely claims I've created a monster in him because he's aware of Benny whoring now. So he sort of like puts mm. his hands out and does poppy dog eyes because I think I mentioned in an intro to Savage Worlds at one time that you could you do stuff and get get these bennies. So now he, he looks for those opportunities. It's become a bit of a joke, but mm. it definitely is a thing that if you apply mechanical awards for certain things, players will try and do them. So I've certainly seen people in the apocalypse world or those sort of powered games hitting buttons to get more advances. Yeah. And it, you know doing stuff that doesn't seem in keeping with their character or the mood of the game because that will mean they'll get some extra brownie points to level up quicker. Uh so yeah, it can drive certain people to just hit the button all the time and try and get more pellets out of the dispenser. And some people just think I can't be arsed. If they feel aggrieved that they're not getting the plus ones or the bennies or whatever, when other people are, then they stop contributing quite so much because they think, what's the point? Hmm. So, yeah, role-playing should be its own reward, really. I still like the, the idea of having some kind of economy, so there needs to be, I think, some way of doing it. Mm-hmm. You've just got to find a way of regulating it a, bit, a little bit, I think, to make sure that you do get that flow backwards and forwards. But that's, like I say, we've probably got another hour there. We could talk about how you do that sort of stuff. Well, I'm sold on the idea of taking another hour to talk about, like you know, risk and reward mechanics in in gaming, because that sounds like a topic that might be fruitful for us. But I guess for now, mate, I think you know, if, if the question is what would the smart party do about social mechanics, um, I think we've answered it probably five or six different ways. Uh, just to summarise, uh, my viewpoint on it first of all would be to don't sweat it so much. You know, let people be uh, at their own comfort level. That's what the rules of the game are there to support if you need to just lean back on the dice for five or ten minutes because it's not your bag then fine your game will, will suffer it um and and blossom later in another part of the game and the other you know more practical technique for me that works for me sometimes when i'm not really feeling it is to step out of first person even if it is temporarily step slightly above the action speak in third person for a bit about how brilliant you are as a vocalist and then step back into that first person when you are more comfortable and you know just keep things going along without feeling all of that pressure uh, so that would be my summary for what this half of the smart party would do anyway yeah and for my half i just sort of reiterate that there is prep as gm but sometimes as player as well if you're supposed to have responses for things or know about certain stuff when it's not your go around the table just write yourself some little notes so that when it comes your time to speak you can trot a line out or something like that uh, and the other thing of course is don't be scared of having a do-over. If you don't think it's working out for you, you want to try something different, just say, hey guys, sorry about that, I just need to have a, take a second run. Because if you're a decent bunch of people, and most people in the UK scene are, then they won't have a problem with that. So don't oversweat it, and don't overthink it either. If you're going to spend five minutes coming up with a witty line, don't worry about it. Just roll your dice and get on with the game. <laughs> Everyone will thank you for it. Yeah, absolutely. The whole thing needs to be like the best, best man speech. Don't overstay your welcome okay right well thanks a lot guys and i guess that the third half of the conversation has got to come from our loyal listeners as indeed this week's question did so thanks mick for that it's really good of you to to put a couple of questions up for us and we've got a few in the bank now for some loyal listeners and, and we need more that we love more um so you know don't be afraid of sharing your opinion if we think we got it right this week 
we'd love to hear you tell us that um if you think if you think we got it wrong uh, go on be brave have a go go on let's get the conversation going on this a little bit more because i i don't think we've got the fully rounded experience of those kind of social things we've talked about today and i'd love to hear from some of the other corner cases in the hobby about how that works so wherever you picked up this podcast is a good way of getting back in touch with us and we're usually on the uk role players forums most of the day as well so um we'd love to hear your comments and we'd love to hear your questions so um for me for me baz uh, that's it for me for this week and um for you guys yeah same from me get involved in the conversation it's always good to pick up the little bits that we don't know about i think uh, this this week we were looking like we were missing out on some of those more indie or story-based games mechanics or how they support social interaction so if you've got a view on that let us know about it we'd love to investigate any chance to buy a new game really and uh, thanks for all your time ready and we'll speak to you next week thanks guys 